AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hello, welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Connor Orr, and uh, like Will Levis, Albert and I are still in the green room. We have let yet to be selected. Just kidding. By the time you guys hear this, Will Levis will be long gone. He'll be on his way. My uncle had a good quote about Will Levis this morning uh, when I was, uh, you know, so we're taping this right after uh, round one of the draft. And, uh, you know, he said, what do you think? Why, why didn't he go? And I said, I don't know. I feel so bad for him. And my uncle said, you know what? I think his second car is still going to start in the morning. I think he'll be okay. And he made a good point. I think Will Levis will be all right. It's going to be a He'll be fine. Story. He'll be fine. And this is, by the way, my, I think this would be like my 21st or 22nd year of uh, draft eligibility. Phone still hasn't rung yet. So, <laughs> Man. Um, yeah. But we will get, I think, I, I want to get into Levis as a whole. I think we're going to do that in the total draft podcast. So stick with us um, through the weekend and into Monday when we do a bigger sort of meteor uh, draft recap because I, I want to grab as much of that as possible. I do think there's some interesting tentacles there. But I want to jump into the rest of, of just exclusively round one. And yep. Albert, I want to first get your take on on the biggest surprise of round one. I did not take this as you know, whatever. Our, our comparison for a completely shocking and stunning draft day is probably what? You're in, in recent memory. What was a draft that really blew uh, your mind? God. If you put me on the spot there, I mean, like, it's like a lot of like the big moves I feel like have been done before the draft. Like 16, the top two picks got traded, but that was way ahead of time. Right. Um, you know, like I think like 17 was interesting because you had the two massive moves up, one for Deshaun Watson, the other for Mahomes. And those guys kind of sat out there. But we didn't know like I feel like at the time we didn't know like that those guys were gonna become what they became. Like Mahomes was such a mystery, and there's a lot of revisionist history on that now, but like sure. no one really knew what he was gonna become. Um, I don't know. What would be the standard for you? Like I I mean, outside the Johnny, of- like I, I, I always think of like the guys falling, like so Johnny falling, right? Like or right. Brady Quinn falling or Aaron Rodgers falling. Like that's like the most memorable stuff to me, you know? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and if you're, uh, if you're, I mean, obviously draft day, the movie uh, yep. is the only thing you can use for comparison. I got to get one of those <laughs> in on every podcast, but this was not that. And you know how I know that a first round is sort of staticky 
is that my mock draft was not bad. I actually did fairly well in my Mine mock. Mine was terrible. And yours was terrible. Okay, well, was it terrible if you go by the Connor Orr grading system? Because What's the Connor Orr grading system? The Connor Orr grading system, I, I submitted this last night to the group, um, mostly because I wanted, um, right before the draft started, I said, are we doing a mock draft contest? Because I know our editor, John Plume, has a just you know, miles deep wine cellar. I mean, this guy is, you know, uh, he, he's got a it connoisseur. He's a connoisseur. And so I kind of want a piece of that, you know? And, um, and so I said, let's introduce the mock draft. I was feeling a little cocky at that point, had Will Levis at four to the Colts. I was like, yep. I'm, I'm in. Um, so my scoring, the Conor scoring system is if you nail the player, the pick, and the team. I think I remember this from when me and you and Jenny did it. Yes. Same. Okay. Player slot team is three points. Yeah. Player in the slot is two points. Okay. Player to the team is two points. Position to the team is one point. And player in the round is 0.5. Okay. Because I, I, the one thing I did okay on was player in the round. I got 28 to 31. That's good. Which I thought. I thought for like a year when it was like unpredictable, that was like, that was the one thing I did well. You know what the other weird thing is? I got three direct hits. Two of them were 22 and 23. <laughs> it was, I got, I got the Zay Flowers to the Ravens and Jordan Addison to the Vikings. And then I got, I got the layup at the beginning too. But other than that, yeah, it was, um, I guess from that perspective, it was wild because we all said it was going to be unpredictable and it was unpredictable. That's that's a fair thing to say. I got Bryce Young. I got um, I got Lucas Van Ness. Oh, that's uh, a good one. That's a that good was one. a good one. Um, and I got um, another one of my big direct hits was um, Jalen Carter to the Eagles. I thought yep. I felt pretty good about that one. I, I had them trading up. For Jalen Carter, I just had them trading up to five. Uh, with the Titans. So I well, had no, them trading the up one, one spot with the Titans to get uh, the Eagles. The Eagles or, or trading uh, back? Then you'd be trading, trading back. back. You'd yeah, be they trading back, back a spot. A spot okay, yeah, um, with the Titans, okay. and they got Jalen Carter. So I, I count that as so still you're in the wheel. But that's close. That that that's close. I mean, they traded one spot. Like I. If I had projected trades, I might have projected them to go up to I my guess going into the night was they were going to move all the way up to 5. Like to me, you know, before we get to the biggest surprise, you know what was like a kind of like a sneaky surprise was Devin Witherspoon to the Seahawks. And not because he isn't a great player, he is. It's like A, they don't take they don't take corners in the first round, mm-hmm. and B, they don't take corners who look like Devin Witherspoon. So that's why so I I gave myself credit. I had them taking Christian Gonzalez at five. Yeah. And yeah. I because thought he totally is their type. He fits the profile. Right. Yeah. And and I was very surprised that they ended up going. I mean, that's exactly what I did, right? I laid it out and I said, you know what? I bet you know, everybody thinks that they're hot on Carter. I don't know where that's come. You know, that's some not something that came across my desk, but that doesn't mean anything because a lot of things don't come across my desk. But I was like, I just don't feel good about it. I bet they're going to do something really careful here. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, Seattle, cornerback, secondary, Pete Carroll. Everything makes sense. You even um, have the careful thing, right? Because Witherspoon was like the – like I'm going to start calling it like the Trent McDuffie Award. Because <laughs> last year, like Trent McDuffie was the guy who like everyone who met with him said – Oh, you know, this kid's an A plus kid and like you're not gonna miss on him. And then he yeah. winds up starting like for the Super Bowl of Champions, being like a really important piece for them as a rookie, right? So like if I had to award if I had to like give like a Trent McDuffie award this year, it would have been Devin Witherspoon. So you said you thought they'd play it safe. I think he was probably the guy that most people would say that is so safe, you know exactly what he's gonna be. Crushed all his meetings, great kid, tough, physical, all of that. So I, I would I would guess, I don't know if I won the mock draft competition, but based on my scoring system, I may have like Floyd Mayweathered my way around it on a technicality and won the mock oh, draft like, yeah. thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I might have played One the points, points, you know, yeah. and like if you look at it, what it, I, I forget what the um, there's like a service. That ranks all of us. There Remember are a few that? of them. And, yeah, and I like won one of them. Two days after year. the draft, you'll just get demolished by like tweets. People being like, "You idiot! You idiot! Um, you have no idea." Well, that's like part of my frustration too. Is like, I spend a lot of time on the phone, and I just, I don't know. It's always 
I'm going to sound like a jerk now, but I know there are others that share my frustration with this. Like all of us, like you included, that are gathering information for months, right? And then it's somebody who's just like siphoning off our information that winds up winning it. You know, it's like right. kind of like aggregating, you know, and like, all right, like, well, this person says this and this person says that. And then they do their map mock at the very last minute. So mm-hmm. they've been able to see everybody's mocks. Right. And so like, it like really all it proves is that you've got an internet connection. Right. No, I'm with you. Now, yeah. did you, it was somebody, I, I want to say it was, uh, and if it was you, forgive me, cause I'm going to lump you in with like three or four people. It was either you, Peter King, somebody else, somebody had the note that the Texans would do what they did. Like somebody that was said D, that. that was Daniel Jeremiah. You was mean, it Daniel he, Jeremiah? That, he that's had, he it was. mocked it. Yeah. He yes. actually mocked the, tra- I think he had Will Anderson in that spot too. Yeah. Um, cause that I had in my mind. Yeah. yeah. DJ and I had talked the day before the draft and, and I I'm good friends. We all work together. Connor, you two at NFL network. And I'm really, I'm good buddies with him. And he, um, like we were commiserating over CJ going second. And this is a little inside baseball, right? But we were both like, oh, you're just going to put him there. You're just going to put him there. Like kind of went back and forth. And we agreed that we both put him there. And then I completely chickened out and listened to the smoke <laughs> that I'd been hearing. <laughs> and, and I did too. I had Tyree there, Wilson so. at number two. Yeah. Yeah. So. So that's a good segue into what I mm-hmm. feel like my biggest surprise of the draft was. And I got a lot of flack for this. I caught, caught some stray bullets on Twitter last night, which is fine. I'm I'm a survivor. I'm the uh, I'm the Andrew Jackson of stray bullets, stray Twitter bullets. I'm gonna die with millions of stray bullets in my in my system. That's fine. I can take it. But I thought that I, I did not like what the Texans did at all. Uh, that it was very surprising to me, just because I think we've seen really good GMs take hauls like they got from Deshaun Watson and make that stuff last for years and manipulate it and manipulate it and manipulate it. And I think what you're doing by trading back up and pulling already from your 2024 capital is I think you're really putting the foot on the gas before D'Amico Ryans has had the chance to get going. And, um, I, I mean, you're trusting the fact that C.J. Stroud is going to win games for you right away when, I think I looked it up, this is a good Albert Breer stat, since two thousand, since 1990, there's only been 13 rookie quarterbacks who've won nine or more games. That's pretty good, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, the odds are not in your favor, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's like you're betting on him to be Matt Ryan or Joe Flacco in 2008, right? Like, Or, you know, some of these guys are like Russell Wilson with the Legion of Boom, Ben Roethlisberger with the 2004 Steelers, right. Andrew Luck. Uh, yeah. So, you know, a lot of these things aren't replicable, and the te- Texans might be good. Like, I, I think the Texans could win so, six or seven games next year, but are they are they ready to make the playoffs? Because that's a ready-to-make-the-playoffs move. Right, and it's, I mean, I, I would say it's probably banking on, like, we're going to be good next year, so his pick isn't going to be high, because that's the other thing. Is like they Now, was that their pick? In that is, yeah, that was their pick going to going to Arizona. See, that's what I hate even more because see, and that's the thing is so like, and it's like, I mean, I can see where if you think you're going to be good and you think Cleveland's going to be good next year, maybe you say this capital like if they both make the playoffs, and I don't think that's going to happen, but if they both make the playoffs, like now those picks are in the twenties, you say okay, like you used one of them ahead of time, but like it wound up being something pretty low. You know, and like you use it to kind of to 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 move up and turn it into the third pick. To me, it's like two different approaches, right? Like it's the we have conviction in one guy approach versus we're going to give ourselves multiple swings. And so it puts you in a tremendous it puts you under a tremendous amount of pressure to get both those guys right, to get both CJ and Will Anderson right. And so you must you have to have great conviction to make that to, to to make that move, and so like like they must have felt so strongly about Will Anderson because the quarterback's the quarterback, right? But they must have felt so strongly about Will Anderson that Will Anderson is like everyone who has been talking about him like he's just good, not great, like he's not Von Miller, he's not Miles Garrett, he's not Chase Young or Nick Bosa you're kind of counting on him to be that now, right? Like you're kind of saying has to be, we think that's wrong. And if you're right about that, then there's no problem. If you're right about that, then 100%, like you get the quarterback, right? 
and you have a foundation piece on the edge on defense, then then you're cooking with gas. And you know now you've got two premium positions taken care of under cost control for the next few years. So I think more than anything else, it make, it puts pressure on you to get those two picks right, and obviously it puts pressure on those two players. I'm looking at it, and I'm you know whatever because you're going to hear. And here's the other on. thing: is this is your biggest surprise, Connor? This is I'd my say biggest it's surprise. also I I'd say it's I say it's also surprising because of who did it. Like yeah. this is not Nick Casario's way. Yeah, this has not been his way since he got there. This wasn't his way in New England, you know? So, like, that's the other part of it that's really, really interesting. So, that's a good point, and that's what I kind of wanted to kind of extrapolate off of here. I think that, to me, and this is what I wrote, I feel like the Texans just felt like they needed a win. And if you're D'Amico, right, like, and I get it from a player perspective, right? If you're those guys who have been through David Coley and Lovey Smith, you need something. You need a carrot on the rope to be like, hey, guys, we're, we got you. Like, it's coming. Yep. Help is on the way. So that was that moment. They had a big night. It's a big celebration. But to me, I, you know. You're, well, that's always signed. the wrong. That's, that's, that's always the wrong reason to do it, though. It's always it? the wrong reason. And I don't know if that's the reason. <laughs> that was the, you know, that's the reason. That's always the wrong reason. It's to always do the it. wrong reason to do it. But. For for me, it, why else would you do that? Because and and again, we might not know something about Will Anderson that they know. And to yeah. me, if D'Amico Ryan's is telling me that a defensive player is great, I I would defer to D'Amico Ryan's hundred mm-hmm. percent of the time. But you got the number one head coaching candidate on the market. He's a great defensive head coach. Why don't you let him work with the defense for a year? Yeah, save that capital, and then next year go at the board with an absolute war chest of picks and get everything that he needs or use that capital and move up to number one. So whatever Mm -hmm. quarterback you actually like the most. Now, if they were in love with CJ Stroud too, I'm totally Mm -hmm. fine with this. If he was the number one guy on their board, I'm totally cool with it. But you know, it's, it's like when the giants picked Daniel Jones at six, right? Yeah. You're just going to have a hard time convincing me that he was the number one guy on your board if you didn't feel convicted enough to move up one more spot to go get him, all you had to do is move up from two to one. And I'm guessing, you know, get granted Carolina would have had to have, you know, done, done a little bit more and, and gone a little bit more overboard. They they were, they were on the doorstep of getting that done. And like, I mean, I've told this story a few times, but they, um, the Texans more or less got cold feet at the end. Like, you know, when the Panthers were working on it and the bear with the bears, and the Bears were communicating with the Texans. The original deal was like the double trade. You right. know, the Bears were going to go one to two and then two to nine. And the Texans got cold feet at the very end. And, you know, I mean, Ryan Poles decided I'm going to take, you know, the my, the bird in the hand instead of two in the bush. Sure. You know, and I, you know, I, I think, you know, the other thing that's important here too, Connor, is like the, I, one of the things that I heard that was really interesting, like in the days leading up to the draft was, that they wanted to come away with a premier quarterback and a premier edge rusher. Like that was the idea. And part of the logic in like taking the edge rusher first, like that I had heard. And one of the reasons why I gave them Tyree Wilson, where I gave him Tyree Wilson, I think I gave him Levis with the, with the 12th pick. Right. The reason I did that was because I had heard they might think that it's going to be harder to hit on an edge rusher at 12 than it will be to hit on a quarterback at 12. Which makes sense. And they felt like maybe the drop off, was was steeper going two to twelve at edge rusher than it was at quarterback, and so their solution to that, of course, now we see, was to just get up there with both picks, right? right. And right. so now we'll give up a little extra capital, but now we feel confident that we got both of them right, and those are hard positions to get right. So I'll circle a name for you then. Lucas Van Ness could wind up being a really interesting piece of all of this, right? Because like I think Lucas Van Ness is probably the edge rusher most teams would have taken there at twelve, if you had your choice. Sure. And he went one spot lower to the Packers. And I think the Texans liked him. I remember hearing that. So like if you wanna kind of, you know, get a gauge a couple of years from now where this trade is and, and how it adds up, look at where Will Anderson is and look at where Lucas Van Ness is. And then look at what became of the extra picks. You know, and, and in particular, the picks next year, of course, and the first rounder in particular next year. So I think that that's the thing that you have to look at is like, 
what they could have had at 12 versus what they wound up getting and moving up the way that they did. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. This is my turnaround, my real my realization before the draft. I was... Um, I, I don't know if I have like an ingrained Ohio State bias that I maybe just like you hate I just us shut. Th- I maybe I do. I don't know what it is because <laughs> it's not like you guys really did anything to Notre Dame in my childhood that would have really ruined. Yeah, my... You would have hated Michigan more. I, I would have hated right? Michigan more. USC, uh, certainly USC. So I always I felt like that was what us and Notre Dame had in common was Michigan. Like, yeah. That we both hated them. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what got me so butthurt about uh, Ohio State. And maybe that contributed to my dislike mm-hmm. of Stroud. You know what it was, too, is when I was watching film during the pre-draft process, and this is not fair to Stroud at all. And and mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, and I don't know how many other evaluators, like I'm not an evaluator, but I wonder how many evaluators fell for this, where you saw Jackson, you saw Marvin Harrison Jr., you saw this lineup of guys making un- believable catches and it just soured you on the person right Mm -hmm. but what turned me around on stroud and why i'm rooting for this trade to happen is stroud's s2 score got leaked and i don't know i know what people think of s2 i know what kind of reputation it's getting but as someone who bombed his sats and is doing all right for himself in the real world. I hope that Stroud just absolutely demolishes it. And we're looking mm-hmm. at like, we're like, who cares about the S2 test, right? So that's, yeah. I, that is, I'm now all in on, on Stroud. I hope the trade works. I just didn't love it. Wow. I had an interesting like discussion with somebody who, a team that like had the S2, like had the S2 as part of like their whole thing. Like I think the number is 14 teams subscribed to the S2 at one point like the carrot that they gave to teams was like only one team per division could have it right so like if you got it like say you're the Giants right and you got it well that meant that would mean the commanders Eagles and Cowboys can't have it right oh so and then and then that's been expanded now where it's two per division which is why the numbers I think 14 teams that subscribe to it um so like a couple of weeks ago, I put out Bryce Young's S2 score because, I mean, I ran it by a bunch of people and, you know, like I was like, wow, this is really impressive, you know, and that sort of got the ball rolling on some of these scores getting out there. And so somebody with a team that subscribes to it, who's buddies with one of the S2 guys, um, said like, they're pissed at you <laughs> for getting <laughs> that out there. 
And, um, but then he, but then, but, but his team like believes in it. But one thing that was really interesting that he said to me, and I think this sort of mirrors what some of those guys have said publicly is that the total score is irrelevant. And it's that this mm-hmm. test, I guess, is broken up into like five or six yes. different categories. Yes. And they actually use it, the, the, this team does, to break down the way guys learn. And so it's like, okay, he scored this in this category, and this means this. And he scored this in this category, and this means that. And he explained to me like that the total score is interesting, right? But it's not really relevant to the way that they're using it. So like I sort of felt bad then because I'm like okay I put this score out there and like it's really interesting because Bryce Young was off the charts on it and I know that David Tepper like really believes that that test means something so it's like kind of like for us it's a way of saying okay like this is going to be the number one pick um, but like essentially one of the teams that is using it is telling me they don't really look all that hard at the total score yeah. Boy, I need like that's a good way of rephrasing. I wish when I took my SATs, we could have told Binghamton University and Millersville University, both of which whom would didn't accept accept me into their school and Notre Wait, Dame. You got into Syracuse and you didn't get into Binghamton, Binghamton Millersville, and Notre Dame. Huh? Those are those. That's I mean, Notre Dame was obviously number one, but their letter back to me was just like, ha, no, like it was, it was like, it was not even like the formal, yeah. like turn down. It was just like, oh, some wackadoo just sent us a piece of fan mail. Like they're like, oh, that's very funny, sir. Uh, no, uh, but Binghamton and uh, uh, Millersville were like the ones, you know, you kind of hang it on the wall and you get you when you're yeah. lifting weights and you get angry about it. But I wish someone could say Connor's not bad at math. Look at how much better he became at math. Uh, over the over the course of the SAT process, see that's what you yeah. got to look at. You see, know? my grades were terrible and my SATs were good, and so I I was that guy. Like you were I the remember, Bryce Young of SAT. <laughs> yeah, I had a, <laughs> but but I didn't get in. Like it's funny because like like some of the people at the schools I got into and didn't, and I have some weird ones too. Like I didn't get into UMass. Um, I applied to Florida State because Florida State was really cool back then. Didn't get into sure. Florida State. Um, but I got into Maryland, I got into Northeastern, I got into Ohio State. So it was sort of weird that way. And like, cause like I have a ton of fam- people who don't know, it, I have a ton of family members who went to Michigan, which is part of how this, all this happened uh, for me. But I like, I, I think I got the same sort of like laugh you out of the room letter from Michigan, if I remember right too. I would love an alternate universe where Albert gets into Michigan and there's maize and blue behind you and you and Rich Eisen are constantly <laughs> hanging out and, and Adam Schefter and commiserating about how great it is to be a Michigan man. I would just love that. And I have my, I have a high school friend who like, I, and I've known this guy since I was like five years old, you know, and uh, every so often he'll send me a Facebook message, uh, threatening to call like one of the radio shows I'm on in Boston and like out me as like a former Michigan fan. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Very good. Uh, so that was my biggest surprise at draft night. I thought uh, that just the yeah. Texans in general, their strategy. Um, I like yours too, though. Give me yours. Yeah. So mine was taking Jameer Gibbs 12th overall for the lions. Yeah. Like, I feel, and I feel like I, I, they won't admit this. All right. But I heard it enough, and I heard it strongly enough. Um, I think the reason they traded out the way that they did was in part because Devin Witherspoon wasn't there at six. Mm. I think they really, really liked Witherspoon and kind of got stuck where maybe, all right, like now we're looking at this group of players, and there's Gibbs, and it's way too high to take him. But do we slide back and, you know, and again, like this is one of those drafts, I feel like where there were lots of teams had the guys stacked differently, you know, and so um, Gibbs was really surprising to me at 12. I thought he'd go in the first round, but most of the teams that I had sort of been able to connect him to were in the back half of the round. So it was actually sort of interesting because you look at it and it's like all these exciting like scenarios, like playing with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, playing with mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes in uh in Kansas City, playing with um playing with uh with Jalen Hurts in 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 Philadelphia, like all of these teams that he could go to, playing Ford Bryant Dayball with the Giants. Um and so I thought him going at 12 was fascinating because generally and again I think it's been um, I think this. I think I tweeted this last night. I think it's the second time in 13 years that two running backs have gone in the first 12 picks. I just thought it was fascinating seeing Gibbs go that high, 
because not only is he not uh, not doesn't play a position that generally goes that high, he's also like the type of back that general that 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 like has never really been drafted that high. Like you almost know? like an Alvin Kamara type, right? Yeah, that's what he is. And like you know, the comparison I kept hearing leading up to the draft was he's a faster, less shifty Kamara, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, and he's a, an electric football player. But generally, you wouldn't take a guy. Um, generally, you wouldn't take a back that looks like that at that at that point in the draft. And I sort of wonder, like, what it means for where all of this is going. Because if we think receivers are of such value, like, why wouldn't a guy who catches the ball out of the backfield have that sort of value? You know what I mean? Like, I, like I sort of you you start to look at it. You can flex this guy out and move him all over the formation and. You look at what the Niners did with Christian McCaffrey last year after they traded for him. And, you know, I just wonder if there's like some recalibration that's needed, like almost like we've been undervaluing that position for so long that maybe it's become discounted, I guess is the right way to put it. It's it's a, it, you know what it is? It's it's like the tight end was a couple of years ago. There's a yeah. there was a market inefficiency there, and then it became super necessary the position itself because tight ends helped you get teams into base defense, and you saw the way mm-hmm. that a couple of teams did it, and you could hammer people that way. Yada yada. I think running backs are the same way in that if everybody is, ta- you know, I talked to a couple of coaches about this two years ago, and I was like, okay, let's assume that, and this this was before the start of last season. I said, let's assume that everybody starts doing Fangio stuff, just like yeah. everybody did Pete Carroll stuff. What beats mm-hmm. it? And everybody, to a T, check downs. Check downs to good running backs. Check downs yeah. to good running backs. And so then you saw that that wave of, now all of a sudden Christian McCaffrey's important again. Saquon Barkley's getting franchised. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs in, uh, in Vegas. Josh Jacobs, yeah. exactly. Tony, Tony Pollard in Tony Dallas. Pollard. Yes. Yeah. And so... All this stuff is happening because, you know, I I don't care about how the position extrapolates itself over a long period of time because I say you throw out your running back, uh, your thoughts on running back analytics for the next three or four years until everyone Mm -hmm. gets out of this defense. Because right now it's very valuable and you need it and you need multiple of them. You know, this is why this is why the Packers got ahead of the game with A.J. Mm -hmm. Dillon a couple years ago. And so I, I don't think like I think it's well, kind of nuts where they took him, but I don't think it's nuts that they took him. You know. Let me um. So there's there's I think there's two ways that I would look at this, and I I'm sort of still like formulating this argument in my head, but like um, I remember the way that like the easiest way to like describe like the value of Gronkowski over somebody like Kelsey, right, is to look at the third linebacker or third corner on the field. Yep. Right. And it's to it's which guy are, is the defense putting out there, and the Patriots for all of those years could come up to the line and say, "All right, if the third linebacker is on the field instead of the third corner, then that guy's covering Gronkowski and he can't cover Gronkowski, so we're going to throw to Gronkowski." Yep. If the third corner is on the field instead of the third linebacker, well, we're gonna we're gonna run Gronkowski right at that linebacker, and Gronkowski's going to block him into the second row. Yep. And it made it so much more difficult. And I think there's sort of the same dynamic with that running back, mm-hmm. right? Like if a running back is physical enough, right? And really, I think that that's more the bigger running back. And we'll get into it with, you know, I, I think a little later with with one of your points that's coming up. But it's like if they put the third linebacker on the field, then make that linebacker cover that running back, right? Exactly. And if they don't, then run right at the – run, run right at like the, the light box, Right. I mean, it's just, it's it's simple numbers is what that is. The second point I'd make is what's really fun about the Lions thing is once Jamison Williams gets back from his uh, gambling suspension, the idea of what he's going to be able to do to compromise defenses downfield, oh if he is what we think he is, and now you think about what that does, that stretches the defense vertically and creates space, and you're going to have Jameer Gibbs running underneath it, mm-hmm. you know? I think that this is just one of those things that's again like really logical. Like I think the best football moves are the ones you can explain to your six year old, where it's like, all right, like 
Jamison Williams is going to stretch the defense this way. (laughs) And then all of a sudden there's going to be all this space here. And we're going to have this really fast guy who you're going to throw the ball to in that space and make them pay for it. Exactly. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected, or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. You fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I'm going to change the order here because I'm so excited to get to Bijan. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't want to step on you there. No, but no, no. This is, good. this is good. Yeah. Um, so, um, we'll get to the QBs at the end. We'll close it out with the QBs. Cause I do want to talk about the yeah. QB order in general and how we felt that went, but favorite pick of round one, it, it was Bijan. And so I, so here's where I'm going to give myself a little bit of credit. I had Bijan going to the lions at 18. Mm-hmm. I thought that the, I did think that the Lions were in the running back market. I thought Bijan was going to fall because I thought that Atlanta maybe needed a little bit more. But yeah. as I started thinking about this last night, I thought how cool and smart this is because here's what you're doing. You've already put a little bit of gas in the motor behind Desmond Ritter. And you're already yeah. saying you're our guy for next year. We didn't go get Lamar Jackson. We didn't trade up to number one. And what is going to make this is going to help him realize his potential. You're going to have a killer running game. You have a pretty decent offensive line. You have Drake London and Kyle Pitts, who are two of the better skill position players in the league. And now you have Tyler, Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson, who are both just jackhammer uh, running backs. I, I think you're in, you're invested in a line in you've invested in too. Don't forget about like the, the offensive Lindstrom, line. Yeah. You've like Jake Matthews. Jake Matthews, yeah. like it's a they've been they paid Caleb Gary, like Mikhail yeah. McGarry, like they they've invested pretty deeply in the line too. Yeah. And so I think what you're doing is outside of the fact that I love the pick because 
if I was still playing Madden, if I had more than six seconds in my day to pick up a video game controller, and I totally would, I mean, that, Falcons all day. I mean, that <laughs> is, I mean, tell me a more fun group of young stars assembled on one offense in like theoretically speaking. Right. I mean, this is, right. this feels like almost like the giants when they had Odell and Saquon. And while it never really materialized the way that we thought mm-hmm. it would, I'm that excited about this Falcons team. And, uh, you know, I was just excited about that in general, but the more that I've thought about it, the more I think you could make Desmond Ritter a half decent quarterback with these. And you guys. have a brilliant young coach, sure. like I think in, in Arthur Smith. I agree. Like I think Arthur is like as underrated as they come. Like I I know there are people in the league that sort of and this is gonna sound blasphemous, but like there are people that regard him as like a young Andy Reid. Like there's a lot of similarities when they were at the same age, you mm-hmm. know. Um, because I think Arthur's really, really creative and very creative, not just in the passing game, but in the run game, like very creative in the run game. He's kind of the guy who was responsible for getting Terry Henry going. Cause if you remember early in Tennessee, like they, like Derrick Henry was okay early in his career, but he didn't really become Derrick Henry until a few years in when Arthur became like an influential voice on the offense. Um, yeah. So I, I think, you know, and, and I think if you look at it too, like the other thing about having a running back like this is what it can mean for your young quarterback. You take pressure off of him. You give like, if the guy can catch the ball, you give him, you know, an option with easy completions. Zeke Elliott for Dak Prescott, Mm -hmm. Todd Gurley for Jared Goff. Um, What the run game in Baltimore did for Lamar Jackson. Like there are all kinds of examples where the bell cow running back, even Saquon, like Saquon couldn't stay healthy. And then he finally does stay healthy last year. And what happens? All of a sudden, couldn't, Daniel Jones looks pretty good. Couldn't stay you healthy and, and got yourself a case of the Jason Garretts, too, somewhere in between there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but like you look at it, like, in a, and, and it can mean, you know, it can mean, like, all right, we can really get our quarterback going. And, you know, at the very least, like, Desmond Ritter, I think, can be good enough to buy you time to find the right one, right? Because I think part of what the Falcon strategy is right now is, we're not going to spend until we really find, we find when we really, really want, you know what I mean? Like, so that's why the Lamar thing was for them. It was like, yeah, we like Lamar, but are we ready to like tie our job security to the guy and build the whole operation around him? No, we aren't, which is that, that was why they backed off of that. And they in Tampa and Washington, I think are all sort of doing the same thing where there's a young guy that they like there and they brought in a guy, a veteran with some starting experience. They didn't overspend. And the idea is to put a lot around that guy and see what you can do. And um, it was a little different in Tampa because they're resetting their cap, but I think Atlanta's done the best job of it if you look at like what's sort of growing around the quarterback now. You know what you have to do with, the, with your Atlanta now? You know what the next move is. It's obvious, right? What's that? Redo the uniforms again because oh, yeah. they, have, yeah. they have the worst uniforms in football. The gradient... Um, like when it goes to the black to the red, it looks like yeah. um, oh gradient's gosh. no good. Gradient is not good. It looks like um, like when and one went from like uh, Macy's to yeah. Walmart. You know, it, it when it made that transition to like acceptable <laughs> brand wear at school to yeah. like less acceptable <laughs> brand wear at school. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of their their that's sort of their general aesthetic. And, and I feel like they I feel like it's been downhill for a while for them because they. They have like multiple good options in their. You're packs. red and black, like you. You could, know, <laughs> it's the coolest yeah. color. Co- one of one of the coolest color combinations. But they have like good, like the, their throwbacks. Like the the red ones are pretty the sharp, red right? Really, the, the cool. red with the red helmet, like those are pretty sharp. And the then the dirty all black uniforms. one, like the Deion Sanders era yes. ones, like the, with the black with the silver pants, like yes. those are pretty good. Yeah, like they've got all kinds of good options there, and they just. I, it kills me when like you hear a team's coming out with new uniforms and they just drop the ball that way. Like, like even Arizona, like Arizona's new uniforms, like I thought it was pretty good, but they ruined it with the red. Yes. Like I think the white and the black were good. You know yes. what I mean? Like good, solid, and then they and then the red ones just don't look right. Who sits in these meetings? And I remember the big uniform reveals, it was like two or three years ago when we had the Chargers one and everyone was just like, My God, this is perfect. And yeah. how does how does one guy get it right there? And then everyone else <laughs> just is just like, Oh my God, what is that? Like the like the Jets guy? Did you see yeah. what the, all the options that you had to pick from, and you picked that? The Jets were the Jets were weird. Yeah, like I don't mind going back to like the old logo, like the old logo. Go back to the, the old big, logo. You know what? You know what ruins all of them is the cheesy like 
name the cheesy like plate like uh, uh the city being yes. in huge letters across the front that really ruins them it, 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 like remember when the browns had those yes that was the biggest about like of all of them i think that was probably the biggest abomination it, that you did that to the cleveland browns it makes it it makes you look like the create a city team in madden right where it just doesn't feel authentic enough to make it feel like a real yeah. football team and so but god if you i'm just so envious of I remember getting Madden the day it came out every single year and I would run home and you'd pick that one team that's just like yeah. that's so cool like Chip Kelly era Eagles something like that in 2013 yeah. but man like if you're if you're like an 8th grader right now and you aren't salivating for the release of Madden to play with Bijan and <laughs> yeah. and, and Kyle Pitts and and, and Drake Lane, Oh yeah. You're just doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong yeah. as a kid. That's my takeaway. I mean, I think like the first time I play, Bijan would probably have ten catches, just screens all day to him. That's not. I mean, Bijan averaged like ten catches a game at Texas. That's not even unrealistic for him. That's I what's know. you know. That's I, he would have like. Uh, I don't even want to get into it. All right. So, yeah. who is so, your? Uh, give me your favorite pick for round one. Yeah, I'm gonna go a little off the board here. I, I like Dalton Kincaid to Buffalo. No, okay. um, I think they become more difficult to defend now, which is you know they're they were already really hard to deal with. But like the idea of so I think coming into this, like, you know how they really struggled to replace Cole Beasley last year to the point where they brought back Cole Beasley, yep. you know, and so they went into this. And part of the reason why they were connected to Josh Downs, who I think will wind up going on Friday night in the first round. And I think they do genuinely like Josh Downs was Downs as a slot. So to me, like this is a way of like sort of changing the dynamic and addressing that need. They have their inline tight end in Dawson Knox. And now you bring in like your move tight end. And I've heard Dalton Kincaid compared to Mark Andrews. And but you you bring in like this big target, like your version of Kelsey, right? And like so now like you look at what Josh Allen's got around him and because he can spray the ball sometimes you, you like having Gabe Davis over here, big target. You got Mark Andrews, big target. And then you got Stefan Diggs. Yeah. Um, and you know, you hope like the hope is that James Cook can become a little bit more than he was as a rookie his second year. Um, yeah. I just think it was a smart way of addressing a hole that you have and making yourself more difficult to defend. It was like Cole Beasy was like the easy completion guy, right? The volume guy for Josh Allen. And now I think you've replaced that while making yourself a more difficult matchup for more teams. So I really liked what they did in getting a little aggressive, moving up a couple spots and going and getting Dalton Kincaid. And I think that the, the rub on him was the blocking. And I, I'm sorry. I think that, if you're Buffalo and you already have a traditional inline blocking tight end, you're going to get enough blocking out of Dalton Kincaid. Yeah. Like you don't need Dalton Kincaid to be, um, you know, Anthony Munoz. You know what I mean? He, yeah. he just needs to affect maybe a defensive end for a split second while he's chipping out of the backfield. And right. the other thing that I like about it is you're giving him another, like you said, like a Cole Beasley in a, like a closer target to the line of scrimmage or a better target in the red zone. And I think what this does is it starts to slow down or eliminate the need for Josh Allen to leave the pocket as much as he did. And right. the threat yeah. of him leaving the pocket is always great for that offense. It's what the offense essentially thrives on, but you don't want him to do it anymore because what yeah. did we see towards the end of last year? We saw teams spying with their faster defensive tackles so they could hurt Josh Allen. They could take him out right. of the game. And the, Josh Allen sh hurt his shoulder last year. You don't want that to happen mm -hmm. anymore. So I think any of this stuff takes you to a point where you're taking those runs out of his arsenal, which I think is good. You don't want him to yeah. be doing that. It's basically getting the ball out of his hands as quick as you can. Yes. You know, and I mean, like a guy like that is going to really help. No question. And I just think it's, again, like I think it's like a, a smart solution for a problem that you had where you're giving yourself a chance to get better in the, in, in the transition. My only other tight end note in the draft is I hate that. So my family are all Notre Dame fans. I saw them all this morning. I uh, love Mayer, by the way. I me will too. Say that. Like, yeah, but I think he's I think he's the Will Anderson of offense, right? Here's what I mean by that. I think that we've known about him for so long, and teams have been looking at him so long that they got bored. True. Like I think Michael Mayer is better than people think. Like I, think I, I saw him play better. against Ohio State. Like he is. 
he's a really good player, man. Yes. Like, and I remember watching him as a true freshman and being like, <clears throat> wow, who is that? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, because Michigan, Notre Dame's always been sort of, at least for the last 20 years or so, they've been tight end you. And it was like, well, like, and I remember when he was a freshman, it's like, there's the next one, mm-hmm. you know? And so I feel like he's sort of been on the radar for so long, same way as Will Anderson has been, where it's almost like people got bored of him. I agree. And there was so much time to pick him apart. And, you know, I heard him referred to as a double, like by so many people the last, you know, he's like a double off the wall, (laughs) you know, the last few weeks. I sort of, I I had it in my head that he was a lot better than that. I'm trying to sort of stick to that instead of getting carried away with all this idea that he might be just an average player. I think he'll play in the league for 10 years. I do too. I don't think there's any question, but my, my family made brought up a good point and they were like, we were all sitting there watching and they got to the Dallas pick and they essentially talked about how he was basically going to get drafted by the Cowboys. And you know, he's watching this and his family's watching this. And the Cowboys end up taking a defensive tackle for Michigan. And it's really kind of a crappy thing to do to somebody. You know what I mean? Because you you tip picks. You know how far in advance you get some of this information. The second that that pick is made, stop talking about him going to the Cowboys because you're making the kid feel horrible. And I know. this is reality show television. We've already spent the whole night making Will Levis feel terrible. Now we're going to make Michael Mayer feel terrible. And, you know, th- we, we can pull the plug on this a little bit sooner. Like, they are, in essence... And now with the transfer portal and everything, like the draft, we're going to be drafting 30 year olds in, in a couple of years. But like these yeah. kids, you know, just just yeah. yank it away from the screen and get going. But I do agree with you. I think he's going to be Jason Witten. Yeah. Yeah. And, and remember, Witten was a third round pick. And yep. there were I, I mean, like I wasn't covering the league then, but I'm sure they were the same thing. It was the same questions, you know, like, is he limited? Like, because athletically, Witten was I mean, is Witten going to run like blazing fast in a straight line maybe not but you know he winds up being one of the greatest tight ends of all time absolutely uh so let's finish with uh i I just kind of want to have a general qb discussion um i had i ended up kind of i felt good about bryce young as qb1 and i'm curious your take so my argument here ends up being i think if you're the panthers you spent the last three years trying to make uncertain things feel more certain baker mayfield sam darnold matt corral if everything works out the guy can be this bryce young i think was the one guy in this draft outside of maybe anthony richardson in in his mobility but bryce young was the one guy in this draft where you know no matter what highest floor is x right like it's he's not going to be any worse than this and i feel like if you're carolina you had to go with a sure thing and i think that they nailed it here yeah, and I think it's like to me, it's like one of those two where he benefits from them waiting on the quarterback, you know, because that means Ike Kwanu is on the team, and it means J.C. Horns on the team, and it means Derek Brown's on the yeah. team, and I I don't think he's going into a place that's like a, I mean, look, like I think to some degree they tuned out Matt Rule there last year, but I, you know, I I think the the, the roster is not bad, you know, like the roster. If you look at the you know the whole thing put together. The offensive line's good. They've got to get better at the skill position players because they traded away DJ Moore and and Christian McCaffrey. But then the defense has a chance to be really good too, where you're not going to be like playing from behind, you know, the first ten weeks in a row the way some rookie quarterbacks have it. So I think you've kind of created a pretty decent learning environment for your young quarterback where you can bring him along at a at a at a moderate pace. Instead of throwing them out there and saying, okay, you got nothing around you. We're rebuilding. Oh, yeah, and the defense is going to have you down 21 to nothing before you can blink. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. He's going to be, I think, in an environment where they're going to be able to say, we're going to be reasonable about what we're asking you to do, and we're going to let you grow. And um, you know, everything that I got from the people who I've talked to that have been around him, and you, you talked to more than I did. You know, you worked on that big story and did a great job with it. I, I – uh, you know, I, I like everything I got was like this kid's football IQ is off the charts. Like he's going to work at it. Um, you know, I heard the stories about like, you know, he would come in on, on Sunday, get the game plan. And by Monday, he'd be teaching it to teammates. So like, yeah, I think he checks off so many boxes. It's just, you know, he's not six, three and 220 pounds. Um, and you might have to work around that a little bit, but I think at a baseline, he's a top 15 quarterback and he could wind up being better than that. 
Here's here's something that I was kind of thinking about before round one was so they always say there there aren't a lot of short quarterbacks and we don't think that short quarterback can be successful. But I do think short quarterbacks right now are a little bit like mobile quarterbacks when Michael Vick came around and started getting popular. Michael Vick is a short yeah. quarterback and a mobile quarterback, but there wasn't a huge sample size because people just didn't think mobile quarterbacks were, were good or valuable. And so they were always kind of like, ah, these guys aren't really that useful. Gimmicky. It was gimmicky. It was gimmicky and it, right? there was, it was gimmicky and he's going to get hurt and, and he's beat up get hurt. and you can't build, an, you can't build an offense around him. Right. Exactly. But the, so let's get a real sample size of short quarterbacks before we make a determinate, because really what's your sample size? It's Kyler. It's Johnny Manziel. It's Drew Brees. It's Baker. Doug Flutie. It's Baker. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't think it's a terrible group of guys. And No, and, I, you know, it's always funny when you talk about those things, too, Connor, is like you like come up with it and it's like, well, only 40% of them made it. Well, yeah, but only 40%. Like, what's the number of the total quarterbacks? Yeah. Total, you know what I mean? Like, how many how many of, like, the, the, the bigger pool make it, you know? I And I always think that's interesting when people look at it and say, well – these four failed and these two made it. So you should never do it again. Well, wait a minute. Like, isn't that the percentage of everybody else too? Yeah. Like, you know, like Jake Locker, it's just, Ryan I, Leaf, you know, all these other right. guys, Marcus Russell. And that's the other thing too, right. was I was looking at how many guys they said, Oh, Bryce Young is going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt. Maybe, but Dante Culpepper lost yeah. a year to injury. Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Andrew Luck. Uh, I, I went through the whole list. Cam Newton, giant human beings like the biggest human beings in the nfl Mm -hmm. lost entire years of their career to injury it's going to happen to everybody and i would argue that and this is one evaluator told me this about bryce which i thought was interesting is and this is what you do right this is natural evolution he learned how to take hits better so when he's getting creamed by somebody he knows how to lean into it and hit the ground the right way so his body doesn't get rocked you know i think it's you know, I, I think it's interesting, too, because it's like there's a natural selection to all of this. Mm-hmm. And so how much better you have to be to make it at that height? Mm-hmm. You know, like all the boxes you have to check. It's like, all right, like you get to high school and they, they're they looking for a reason to look for somebody taller than you to play the position. Mm-hmm. And you have to be that much better than maybe the six foot three kid in your class to do it. And then you have to become the starter at your high school. And then you have to be that much better than the six foot three kid when you're getting recruited into a division one college. Right. Because they're looking for every reason to go with the six foot three kid. And so like I do think like sometimes because of like the natural selection of this, right? Like there's that part of it where, like you said, they've had to be this hype forever, but they've also had to be that much better than the next guy to check to cause like everyone's always looking for like, okay, I need a reason to start the kid over there who looks like every quarterback I've ever had before. Yeah. And not the kid who doesn't look that way, you know? So I think it's sort of interesting that way too. It's, it's like the Baker chip on the shoulder, you know, and I don't think Baker didn't make it because of his height, but you have to be that much better to make it when you, when you are that size. This is just basically a very long way of me saying, I can't believe my high school coaches never gave me a shot. Quarterback, you know, <laughs> me all five, all five, nine, one sixty of me. This is uh very disappointing. Um, so the other thing that I kind of want to because I, I know that you're gonna have far better information and insight on this than I is. I thought Anthony Richardson was fascinating to me. I love mm-hmm. the pairing of him and Shane Steichen. I think that we've seen Steichen work with all different kinds of body types, all different kinds of players. Yep. He's very, very good at tailoring systems to people's yep. levels of comfort. What ended up kind of being the the green light or the aha moment for the sure. Colts there? Because I, I had I had Levis there. I thought that was a Levis. I heard there was yeah, I heard there was real like you know, there was some split in the building and they, they really had to kind of work through this, you know? Um, and this is part of why they went out and they didn't go to the pro days, you notice, but they went on campus and worked all of these guys out privately mm-hmm. and flew. Well, they did the two, they did young and, and Stroud in California where those guys were working out. Then they went to Kentucky to see Levis, Florida to see Richardson hooker came on a 30 visit. He can't work out cause he's hurt. They even saw Jaron Hall in Utah. And so like the whole idea um, was that they were going to get up close and they were going to get to see this these kids and get them to sort of, we're going to ask them to do certain things and see what they can do as to what we're going to ask them to do. I think it's two things. Number one, look at Chris Ballard's history, okay? He's very traits happy. Mm-hmm. And you can see it like it's sort of a different position, but you can see it like 
I, I had a coach tell me, one of the Colts coaches tell me, told me one year, he's like, this was after they, this was like after two or three years about, he's like, go stand behind our linebackers and tell me what you think. And it was like they came off an assembly line. Mm-hmm. You know, Darius Leonard and Bobby Okariki and all those guys, like they're all tall. They all have arms that go down to their knees, right? And they all can run. Mm-hmm. And so you start to look around the roster and you can see traits, 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 right? And so he's very traits happy. And he was sort of one of the guys that first identified Patrick Mahomes for Kansas City. Now, he wasn't there when they drafted him. But I was told a story that like he saw Mahomes play as a freshman at some random Texas Tech game and like called somebody that was like, we probably should keep an eye on this kid, you know, based on some of the things he saw. So he's very into traits. So that's one part of it. And the second part of it is, I think exactly what you said. They felt like they had a template for how to bring the kid along and what, you know, Shane Steichen did for Jalen Hurts and a coach who'd be willing to adjust that template as it went. And for people who don't know the story, and I know you know Connor, but, um, you know, Shane Steichen came in. He's a North Turner disciple and he had Phillip Rivers and he had Justin Herbert and he had, you know, quarterbacks that are comfortable working from the pocket. And so, like, his offense, when he came in and, and they were breaking Jalen Hurts in, was, like, really not all that applicable to Jalen Hurts. And halfway through that first year, they put the Oklahoma run game in. Yep. And they put the Oklahoma run game in to make Jalen Hurts more comfortable and said, we know this is going to take pressure off of you because you're very familiar with all of these things. And if we're throwing off of these things, then you're going to be more comfortable throwing the ball. So he created a more comfortable environment for the player. And I think that's perfect for Richardson because one thing I've heard about Richardson is as raw as he might be, you don't need to sit him. You need to play him. Mm-hmm. And you need to go and, and he need, he needs to see stuff, you know, because he only had 13 starts at college and he needs to increase the volume of things he's seen, right? And so you need to have the right coach to create the environment where he's going to go out there and just not lose all of his confidence if he has a couple rough games in a row and you have the right coach to do that too. So that's what I think is really interesting about it. You know, you add sort of Ballard's longstanding philosophy and then you marry it up with like what Shane Steichen did so well in Philly and it works. I'll plug, I did a profile of Steichen. Um, He was our number one head coaching candidate Mm -hmm. for uh, August. And there's a section in there about how he talked to Phillip Rivers and how he developed things for Phillip. And that Phillip said was unique in terms of, you know, different from every other coach that he had. And I would guess that there is no way they pull the trigger on him if Shane does not feel that mind meld connection with Richardson during the process, right? I mean, Shane is the kind of guy that is going to, drive home and have the quarterback on speakerphone and is going to be able from memory. It's not just Sean McVay that has photographic memory and go through games play by play by play by play by play and say, I know exactly what went wrong here, 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 here. And he's going to want his quarterback to operate on that level too. Yep. I remember this. I remember this. I remember this. So by the time that they roll in on Monday, everything is ready to go and everything is streamlined. Mm -hmm. So I think that Anthony Richardson, you know, we talked a lot about the mobility. We talked about the big ceiling. I think that there is probably some sort of a brain connection there between the two of them that had to have emerged during this process or else I don't think yeah. he would have felt comfortable staking his uh, staking his reputation on that. Um, but thank you so much, Albert. Um, so that'll do it for our wrap-up of round one, hopefully for round two. I'm a big nervous eater during the draft, and I did not do well last night. I did, um, <laughs> I did a peanut butter and jelly late. I did a bag of popcorn. Um, we still had some Girl Scout cookies laying around. So mm-hmm. round one was tough for me. Uh, I'm gonna try to, uh, I'm gonna try to do better next time. You know, that's sort of my All goal right. for tonight. Well, I, I, I did a, um, what did I do last night? I had, I had Chipotle last night, so I think I can do better than that tonight. Too. Chipotle's good. Well, depending on what you did. Like if you did like a burrito, I a burrito. Bowl. Uh, the burrito or the bowl, the burrito. Uh, okay. I mean, I have respect. Kind of like I, I think it kind of like I had a, you know, kind of like a lull in the night where maybe it hit me a little bit too. So, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, like about ten o'clock, I was like, eh. Nah, so. that wasn't the best idea. Yeah. Um, but we'll be back on Monday, like I said, for the full draft recap. I think we're gonna have a little bit more on Levis there too, and uh, we'll kind of dissect that. That poor kid. Let's give him the week off, uh, weekend off from being dissected. 
The MMQB NFL podcast is produced by Shelby Royston. Mark Mravick is the emeritus editor of the MMQB. Super Bowl champion Andy Benoit of the Los Angeles Rams and Rec League basketball three-point assassin Gary Grambling are the founders of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts. And once you do, leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans... Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you.